Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Andre, the Ladies and gentlemen, to the number one sports and recreation podcast in the world. It may be, uh, let's see, a few weeks away we are from our SummerSlam event in New York City at Legends. Shout to the Jobber Tears podcast for hosting us. The tickets are available right now on Eventbrite. Simply uh, go to Eventbrite, search for Peter Rosenberg or G. Pete. And buy tickets for 25 bucks. You can also stay and hang out, watch the entire SummerSlam podcast with myself and Stack Guy Greg. And I'm guessing everyone else who's, uh, well, not everybody, but I'm sure there'll be members of the Jew World Order in the building. Also want to start off this week by not only thanking all of you for being here, but also those who make it possible. And that would be today. Our dear friends at Hymns. Yes, you know forhims.com. Um, maybe it's a hairline situation. Maybe it's a bald spot. Um, maybe it's some other sort of, you know, medical or physical wellness issue you're dealing with. But that, those situations can be tricky to deal with. They're made easy. If you go to forhims.com slash cheap. Right now our listeners, um, can get the complete Hims hair kit for just $5 today right now while supplies last. Subject to doctor's approval, of course. See the website for full details and safety information. Um, this could cost you hundreds of dollars elsewhere if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Don't do that. Go to 4 slash cheap. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash cheap. 4 slash cheap. We start out sending things to Philadelphia. Where we find the the always physically strong stat guy Greg SGG. Oh yeah, how you doing, P? I'm very good. Um, before anything, 
Did you listen to the audio message that I sent the Jew World Order? I did. Now, I hold did. on. Gonna, look, let me play it for the audience real quickly. I want to interview fake Seth Rollins. Fake Seth Rollins, can you t- say something to my podcast real quick? What? What do you want me to say? Just tell everyone that you are not, in fact, Seth Rollins. Yeah, I'm not Seth Rollins. I don't know what you're talking about. You've been calling me Seth Rollins since we've met. What up, I don't Seth? sound anything like him. Thank you. Now, if you real quick, if you were Seth Rollins, how would you feel about everything that's happened with Brock Lesnar? I don't know who Brock Lesnar is, but obviously not a fan. This is amazing. Um, can I just get a drop from you saying, hey, this is fake Seth Rollins, and you're listening to the Cheap Heat podcast? Hey, this is fake Seth Rollins, and you're listening to the, what, Cheap Heat? The Cheap Heat podcast. Cheap Heat, oh. Hey, this is fake Seth Rollins, and you're listening to the Cheap Heat fucking. Hey, this is fake Seth Rollins, and you're listening to the Cheap Heat podcast. Awesome. Uh, say, just then just say, Beast Slayer. Beast Slayer. Phenomenal. <laughs> now, SGG, am I crazy, or does that dude sound just like Seth Rollins? I don't think you are. I listened to it a couple of times. I was like, you know what? I can kind of hear it. Like, if you strip away the wrestler voice that all the people do, like if you bumped into Seth at like a grocery store or something like that, or if he was ordering something in a drive-thru, I think he would sound like that dude. Now, I, that's the thing. I don't know if you get it on TV as much or if it's just – seeing him around what he talks like but like you don't understand every time he said something i was just like i looked over (laughs) like in my mind i'm very weird about stuff like that it won't go away like i will feel like seth rollins is just there all day and like it's not just it, it can happen if someone reminds me of someone else in my life i cannot shake that other person. So I kept telling him who it was. He didn't know who Seth Rollins was. I showed Shame. him a video. He like kind of heard it. He was like, yeah, I, I kind of hear it, but he'd never heard of him. But for me, I was just like, and by the way, that's Sife walking by in the background going, what's up, Seth? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, that was me and Sife Sounds doing a promo shoot for Juan Epp, which is coming back soon. Details to follow, but if you've ever listened to the One App podcast, my first podcast, um, and the first ever hip hop podcast, the reason, wait, did you know Syph, um, you didn't know him through One App, right? You met him somehow? Yeah, I met him somehow, but I knew both of you guys from Hot 97 and One App and just like being in New York, everybody listened to the, the morning show. Um, but I, I, I'm very excited about it coming back. Um, we are doing a season that is focused on one particular subject, and I'm very excited for people to hear what that subject is. Speaking of which, we are doing that today on Cheap Heat. So we are doing something we have not ever done before, which is a watch-along of this week's show. Now, don't worry. We are not going to do the three-hour watch-along. No, no, we are no, going no, to, no. We can't do that for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but we're going to do the 90-minute Hulu watch along so if you have hulu this will be the time to pull up monday night raw from this past week um and obviously it's going to leave out some stuff that we probably would also like to critique but whatever we're just going to critique the 90 minute hulu episode episode of monday night raw if you're not watching it you'll just get our commentary on this week's raw if you're able to throw it on and watch along with us 
maybe that can do more. And, you know, during some of the matches, we'll do some mailbag and we can talk about some other things, whatever it is that comes up. But I think today's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm recording this at a time when I would normally be doing the Michael K show. I took off today. Um, I'm off tomorrow, so I'm able to relax a little bit and do, you know, have a different energy today. So I'm excited about doing that. Uh, SGG, first of all, before we do that, do you have anything big outside the ring that you want to hit? I know the quarterly reports came out today. Not sure what you got. Um, I didn't get to listen to the conference call yet or really dig through the quarterly reports, but I think for the Cheap Heat universe, the biggest news that we have to touch on from outside the week is that the Podfather turned 40 this week. Happy 40th, P. Oh, thank you very much, SGG. I, I literally didn't know where you were going. I'd already forgotten, but um, I did. I did turn 40 this week. It is very strange. Um, I think stranger than turning 40 is thinking about that the next huge birthday is, like, is 50. You could throw a think, 45 in there. Yeah, especially for me. You know, I love 45s. But, um, yeah, you know, life is crazy. Um you know, uh, 39 was an interesting year. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this year. That's for sure. But I'm blessed with a lot of people who I love and who love me. And, uh, you know, listen, I'm happy to be here and doing so many different things that I love. And uh, I really, I really do. I mean, I know I, I say, I, I say from time to time how much I appreciate the, the, the peckerheads and the cheap heat universe, but, Really, this year, especially since the shoot arrow began, the amount of love that I've gotten from our listeners has been really cool. Um, and this is such a, I can't even call it a labor of love. This is just a, a, such a fun hobby to get to do. Um, and there's so many people who, uh, who, who support it and who look forward to it. So everyone right now who's in their car or sitting at home or at the gym or with your family or, just doing stuff around the house, making a road trip, whatever it may be. I really thank you for making uh, my life better because this podcast is a lot of fun. Um, I know there have been weeks in which maybe it, it, it felt less fun, but by and large, um, I enjoy myself when I'm doing this podcast and I take it easy, man. And that's certainly what we're going to do today. So thank you, SGG. Um, also, we should mention... Um, <coughs> We have our information for the first AEW TVs. Yeah. Is it, it's October 2nd, correct? Yes, October 2nd. Um, they're doing Wednesday nights. Um, they didn't announce the name of the show yet. And I don't believe they said if it was going to be one or two hours. But, um, I guess they're going to keep us waiting and just roll out little bits of information as it comes or when they feel like it to just keep people enticed as it gets closer to the date. But we do know they picked the Capital One Arena in my hometown of yes. Washington, D.C. So an interesting choice, you know, not it's not the quintessential wrestling hotbed, but it does have a lot of history. I mean, first of all, you have the fact that DC was the home territory for the WWWF. Yep. Um, you know, TV was done there, Capital Wrestling. Yep. Um, you know, that's where 
the Vince McMahon story kind of begins in wrestling is in Washington, D.C. Um, so you have that history. Of course, when WCW started uh, touring everywhere, a lot of big shows. Um, Bret Hart Goldberg, the, the, the night that ended Bret's career uh, in 2000. Was it 2000? Um, I think it was 99. I think it was 2000. I'm pretty sure 2000. I could be wrong. Either way, it was at the then MCI Center, now Capital One Arena. Um, and then, of course, you know, Baltimore is a huge wrestling hotbed, too. And you can be sure that huge wrestling fans from Baltimore will be driving the 45 minutes down the BW Parkway or 95 South and then on the Beltway, depending how you feel like going, to make the trip from Baltimore uh, to D.C. So... Um, that is going to be a very cool thing. And SGG, are you ready? Should we start this episode up? Yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. I'm, I see uh, so, Andre the Giant floating in the air. So this is this is uh, this is we're going to start. It's I paused it in the beginning of the then now forever video. Hogan is uh, holding Andre, about to slam him. So I'll give you a few seconds to get to that spot. It's just a second into the Hulu broadcast. Yeah, it's literally like and, the first frame. And then on the count of three, I'm going to say three. And right after I say three, we're going to hit play. One, two, three, play. And Andre is down. And Trish Stratus is across our screen. By the way, I've been watching a really great Chris, Trish, Trish Stratus time. I've been um I've been in 2005 watching the March Raws leading to WrestleMania 21. I don't I don't know if there was a hotter I can still say people are hot in 2019, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't think anything wrong with that. I, it's a compliment. I Trish Stratus in 2005 as the heel champion getting ready to take on Christy Hemi who was then in Playboy and is being backed by Lita as we watch John Cena come out. Now, so this is where the first controversy started in our Jew World Order. I could not have thought Andrew Goldstein's take was colder that he said John Cena got no pop. Did you? Were you with yeah. me? <laughs> uh, maybe he now, was watching on mute as well. Yeah, now if you're watching on mute, listen, it's not Austin 99, 98, where every time you see the crowd, they're like shaking. Same with Hogan in eighty in the mid eighties. It's not that kind of, kind of pop, but boy, it was loud. SGG. I really, I do not know what Goldstein was hearing, and I was very impressed with the reception. Can I tell you what though, SGG? I feel like Cena has been sitting on this stupid lime green shirt for a long time. Well, he's not around, so like this is he's got to milk this one. Usually, we'd see him all the time, and then you'd get tired of of the the rise above hate or this one or that one. So you know, he's, he's got to milk this one. I feel like they should have gone back to a retro one, um, like made a new retro one because of how much he's been rapping recently. Like that's who we we've been getting the yeah. doctor. You know, and I, I just think with him not being around so much, you know, you're going to get limited time with him. I just think you go with a less kid-friendly kind of cheesy shirt and and do something a little more grown up. What do you think? No, I agree, especially like you said, with him being the doctor, 
Uh, the last couple of times we saw him, he had a couple of bars for us. He, you know, tonight he had some bars, which um, turned out to be prophetic because in a bit of outside the ring news, um, <laughs> you find out that Jimmy Uso was arrested for a DUI while he was, while they were down in Florida. Um, wait, wait, wait. There's a new one. There's, there's a new a arrest. New one. Dude, what's going on with those guys? I don't know. You know, according to TMZ, he was uh, arrested while they were in Florida. And uh, at the time of their writing of that article, which um, I saw earlier today, he was still in jail. Damn, I did not see that story, SGG. I got to tell you, well, first of all, you know, I feel very strongly about that subject with uh, what happened to Alexa's brother, Spencer. Um that's a subject I take very seriously. So number one, what the hell are you doing, Jimmy? And, and number two, SGG, like, this is the best run they've ever had. And like, at what point do you get seriously punished by the company for this? Yeah. I hate to say it, but I mean, you know, you hate to, but like, if you have a couple of things like this, was the other one, what was the other arrest? It was like fighting with the cop, right? In, yeah, in February, um, he was arrested for. They, I don't think he actually fought the cop, but I guess you know he threatened the cop, threatened to fight the the officer. And um, this was in Detroit. He was supposed allegedly drunk during that incident, um, but Naomi was driving, so it wasn't really a drunk driving incident, but definitely right, a right, drunken right. altercation. Well, see, yeah, that one, that one, I just you know at least he wasn't putting anyone else in danger, right? But Jay right now, but, Jay got a DUI in January in Texas. So well, that that's really January two thousand eighteen. So the, the the what we're about to see when the Usos come out is a little rap battle, and here they are. Um, and you know the main line that John Cena hits them with is about getting arrested, and it it really sort of washes the humor off of that when they then got arrested. Or, or Jimmy got arrested day. while the next day. But this was a fun moment. You know, at this point, I'm thinking I'm not mad at this start to the show. Where, what did you think of this part? No, same, because I mean, I feel like it was the perfect use of at least the Usos. You know, Cena can do no wrong, but to bring the Usos out and have them basically request that John Cena Take it back to the streets one time for the Royal Reunion. I thought it was perfect and it was it was enough of a nostalgia and it really set the tone of like that they were gonna try to balance this night out between the old and the new, you know, sort of tip their hat to where they were, but also bring things forward. Now, yes, I mean how successfully did they did that? Well, we can discuss. But <laughs> I'm sure we will. But but you're right. I felt the same way. I was like, this is cool. This is a good use of everyone. I thought it got a little cheesy here with the Cena leaving and returning a lot. Like, I, it was all so obvious. Yeah. I mean, that's Cena's go-to move, too, right? How many times have we seen him do that where, like, he fakes like he's going to walk away and be the bigger person, and then somebody just says something to draw him right back in the ring where he has to he has to address it. He can't leave that thing that is said. Um, no, he he's like the he's like the Marty McFly of WWE. Right. You just have to say he's chicken. Hey, Doc, it's me, Marty. 
I got to feed every time. time. Um, but I will tell you, man, we talk about a lot of people and what they're capable of on mic. And listen, I don't think Cena's character has always been perfect in terms of facilitating what he can do best. But when he's good, man, his confidence on microphone, I mean, especially when you compare him to other people, you know, and we'll, and believe me, we'll get to Hulk Hogan. Hogan's been botching lines on the mic live for as long as they've done live promos in the ring. Yeah, he's just been coasting on his uh his NWL stuff and his 80s stuff, which I mean, I he get made it. Mi- he he made mistake, but let's be clear. He made mistakes in NWO. I mean, he said New World Organization the first day, okay? Let's never forget. And this part's so cheesy when John points like that. That was ridiculous. And the jumping <laughs> yeah. is it's okay. Calm. Let's just tone it down one notch. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, Hogan does not even belong in a category with Cena when it comes to mic work. Sorry. No. Um, all those great promos we loved as a kid, those were all done in studio. It's not the same thing. All pre-tapes. Um, you know, I mean, he was, he was, he was pretty good. I don't think he messed anything up in the Piper's pit that set up the Andre feud. He was pretty good there. That was, at least good acting, if not good talking. Yeah. Um, but it was Piper. We've talked about this before. It was Piper, you know, touching his chest and going, "There's, there's You're blood. Bleeding. You're bleeding. You're bleeding." <laughs> I mean, Piper was, Piper was amazing, dude. Andre breaking it, breaking the chain. Oh my God, Heenan! What a powerhouse segment that was. Mm-hmm. Listen, we are not going to confuse this segment with that one. <laughs> this is a, this is a nice segment. With the Usos, John and Rikishi. It is not, it is not Heenan and Piper working together, but hey, it's, it's still pretty good. Yeah. Um, and it's nice seeing the Usos with their dad. I thought we were going to get uh, some bars from Rikishi too. People don't know this. Rikishi has, uh, has some bars too. Well, were you at the after party when I was DJing and he grabbed the mic? Or was that the <laughs> I year was, before I you was went? not. I wish I was there. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the after party that I DJed, Rikishi grabbed my mic and started dropping bars. I mean, he he likes to drop bars. They're definitely um, old school bars. Like by today's standards, you'd be looking at them like, "Come on, what are you doing?" Well, but if you have well, a, yeah. an appreciation for like early '90s, uh, mid to late '80s hip hop, you'd be like, oh, "Okay, okay, Kishi." Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not gonna. It, it's he's not gonna battle Eminem, but it's no. he's but he's got some bars. And then they set up for the dance. Cena awkwardly holding his hands out, doesn't know what to do with his hands. And wait a second. This was weird though, dude. I, I, this, this already to me, I, there's some people who would say, and maybe you will, mm-hmm. great way to use the revival in a spot that makes them look big. And I agree with that. But at the same time, I'm not going to lie. When they got interrupted and it was the revival, I was not excited. So I'll say this. It it did carry on to the feud that they had with the Usos. So it made sense that if anyone was going to step in here, it would be the Revival. What didn't yeah. make sense to me and still does not is D-Von? that the, yeah, the Devon part, I don't understand it. Like why? Like it's not like Devon and Rikishi are some famed feud. And by the way, here's the early setup of of disappointment. Because they're talking 
it's not good either. Uh, by the way, I will agree with one thing about from Ange Gold. That Hulk rules black and red shirt is one of the best shirts Hogan's ever had. It's too He's, bad it's now and no one would buy it. Yeah, I mean there are people that will buy it. I won't be one of those people. But um, but I but uh, nor will I. But it is it. I do like that. That's actually pretty dope. They should have done yeah. that another time. Um, and I have to say King too, Booker. When Sorry, when they advertised the Raw reunion and uh, they said that Hart was going to be there, I didn't realize it was going to be Jimmy Hart. Oh, and when I did, quite disappointed. Yeah, uh, not the best Hart. Not oh. the best Hart. Um, and so, yeah, Hogan and Jimmy Hart there were talking about, he's like, there's so many people. Hogan's like talking about all the people he could fight. So I thought, oh, this will be interesting. Are they going to try to have Hogan at least, you know, put the pause on someone in some way? Nope. When it was all said and done, we got the exact same thing we've gotten him from him. How many in a row is this? Like 10 appearances in a row? Yeah, no, it's every time. They bring him out to, like, hawk a thing or say something on the mic, even at WrestleMania. Yep. Which I think was more for him than for the company. Now, would you when you talk about WrestleMania, would you be talking about when he botched it at this year's WrestleMania or when he botched it at 30? Oh, I'm definitely talking about when he botched it at this year's WrestleMania. <laughs> but, um, Met Life Center? Yeah, but 30, 30 was awful too. 30 wasn't so bad because Hogan was still in our good graces. But like this was even worse because it was so forced. And then when that happened, you had better damn be perfect. And then he says Met Life Center. And just lose all the And of course, I didn't understand why this year they had to put him out there next to Alexa Bliss. Yeah, I, I don't she, know. She, did, she didn't need that. Um, decent match here. Uh, I don't even think I paid attention to this match the other day. Well, I think it's important Which, to point out too. I believe you're watching Hulu with no ads, right? That's correct. Why did you go to commercial? <laughs> I went to commercial, baby. So I'm getting back at the beginning of the match. So if you're watching with ads. Oh, no. You're back, you're back just... at the beginning of the match. If you're watching without ads, you're flowing. You're watching it oh exactly how you want this, to watch it. So this, this whole watch-along so experience has been botched by ads. We jobbed out to corporate America. Well, no, no. <laughs> let's be honest. We jobbed, You jobbed out for being the physically cheap. I mean, this this is perfect. <laughs> it is so perfect that you, of course, pay, don't pay for the no ads. <sighs> so yours already stopped. I splurge. Now, I will tell you guys, I recently <laughs> just... I, I actually am going to cancel Hulu. Um, I switched over to I switched over to Fubo because um, their DVR system's better and they have more channels. I was just wait. Actually, I'm glad I'm talking about this because after this episode, I'm going to cancel my Hulu. I um I was waiting for this season of Handmaid's Tale to end because I watch Handmaid's Tale, um, and now that's over. So, so are they going to get you back if they drop a new season, or how is that going to work? Yeah, I, I will be back next year. I will be back in like nine months for Handmaid's Tale. But besides that, I don't really watch anything on Hulu. So, I mean, I could maybe go down to the cheapest version, you know, just regular. Yeah, Hulu. join us, man. Join the peons. Join, join the peckerheads. Wait, so wait, wait. How much do you pay for your Hulu? Like six dollars? Yeah, it was expensive. Which it was more expensive, I should say. It wasn't expensive at all, but. It was more expensive it, than that, but they dropped the price recently, which you really don't ever hear about happening. They just went to commercial in mine, but we're back because there are no commercials. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's here's the wackest thing, though. 
if you pay for Hulu with no commercials and you use the DVR, when you watch it back on DVR, it still forces you to watch commercials. Huh. So doesn't sound like it's to, worth it. It's, no, it's not. Honestly, it's not. It's only worth it. I didn't know there were commercials in even the 90 minute version though. That's trash. Listen, That's man, they have I mean, to get that but ad it's money not, somehow. But considering I pay for Hulu TV and no commercials, how do you make me pay? How do you make me watch commercials? Yeah. It's terrible. So I'm disappointed with Hulu about that. Um, and now if you want to, if you guys want to catch up, I'm now in the second half of the match. I don't know how we're going to figure this out, Greg. Maybe, maybe SGG when it gets to the, um, oh, you can't fast forward through breaks though. No, I cannot fast forward through ads, but it's all right. I'm, I'm watching, um, one of the Usos, I believe it's Jimmy. He's he's just got double teamed at the hands of the revival. Oh no, I believe this is Jay actually. And for those and for those watching the no ads, uh Devon and Rikishi are now squaring off outside the ring, taking a look at each other. Which again now, just, doesn't make sense to me though. Like I don't recall, like you said, Devon ever really being a big rival to Rikishi. It's just not a thing that they did. And even like I, as a tag team specialist, Devon was an odd choice again. Listen, I'm sure that they had matches against each other, but I don't remember any. Yeah, I it's don't remember like, any either. And and especially at that time, you have to think that Devon would have been trapped more in a rivalry with other tag teams. You know, Hardy Boys, Edge and Christian, um, Christian and Chris Jericho, random tag teams that I'm not able to remember right now. While Rikishi was busy doing it for The Rock. I don't know that their so, paths crossed. Uh, I'm ahead of you, Greg. Uso's got the pin. They go to break. They come back. And here's Charlie. And is this the terrible... I hope this isn't the scene. My dad, My dad was here, and I was watching for a minute. And he saw a scene that was so bad. I think it was this one. It was so bad that I was embarrassed. <laughs> um, he's talking to our truth and Carmela. And I just want to be the first one to say, I've gotten so many emails from people who love, uh, our truth right now. And they're showing our truth at Comic Con. I, I just want to be, I like our truth, man. He's a good dude. He's willing to do whatever it takes. He's a good worker. Um, he's funny. I, I'm not into the character, man. Like, it's just so, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking too much, but I just find it a little, I don't know, SGG. I don't, I don't like it. Listen, man, I I'm feel- into it. So I fast forwarded up to try to catch up with you. Um, I'm watching our truth sit down at Comic Con right now. That part, I'm not going to lie. It was a little bit weird that they had him sort of defending the title at Comic-Con. But also, they did say anytime, anywhere, this championship was going to be on the line. So I sort of am happy to see them sticking to that. I, I, I wonder if any of our other black listeners feel the way I feel. I find it surprising, SGG, with I still do with your sensitivity to stuff. That you don't find the R-Truth character to be a little reminiscent of something uncomfortable. 
No, and I'll I'll tell you why too because on a couple of occasions, right? Our truth has sort of hinted at there being a method to his madness. If you remember when he's first paired with Carmella even and he was trying to get a shot at the Miz's championship. I believe the Miz had the Intercontinental Championship at the time. I can't remember what championship it was. But um, he was like, oh, yeah, I want to face Carmella. Because if you pin Carmella, you get a championship. That's what happened on the women's side. You pin Carmella, you get a championship. And people thought he was crazy. And then he did a promo, and it was really quick when he was just like, you questioned my craziness, but it worked. I ended up with this championship match that I wanted so against you, the Miz, and then he won choose, it. You choose to look at him as crazy like a fox. Yeah. Okay. Drake Mavericks. Drake Maverick finds the worms. Here comes the boogeyman. By the way, we haven't really talked about how well Drake Maverick did with his uh, marriage. Yeah, he leveled up. Big level up from Drake Maverick. Great guy, by the way. One of the nicest dudes. Happy he's getting. It may be going a bit long now, but couldn't happen to a better guy. Yeah, shame he shame he hasn't been able to consummate his marriage, you know. But uh, one day, one day, he was so, I'm not, so close last I, I, week. Um, even though Pat, even though it's a little tough to watch Pat Patterson with those terrible kicks. It is fun that Pat Patterson got the twenty four seven championship. Yeah, Pat Patterson set a record with that with that win too. I, I believe he became the oldest champion in WWE history with that victory over Drake Maverick. And real quick, we get a look at Eve Torres, who looks amazing. Eric Bischoff, not as much as Eve Torres, but he's looking good. <laughs> Eve underrated, in my opinion. I thought she really came up. Her character was a little cheesy. I didn't love how she dressed, um, how, what her co- her costume was, but she's in amazing shape. She looks like she could go right now. Well, that was a situation of gone too soon, though, right? Like, she was with the Gracie. I think they're married now, and... She was training with them and like learning all these techniques and she could have been um so huge and I think she's somebody who would have fit fit in really well with that women's revolution um in some matches against Charlotte, in matches against Sasha Banks. Um she would have done great, but you know, she she decided to step away from the business. And I think I think her and her and Lacey now would be good too. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you can drop her in and she can do good with any of us. I mean, her and Becky, she would have been good foil for Ronda, believable too, with her own uh, MMA training and background that she has. So, I mean, I don't know, that Gracie name, I don't know. And we, and we just got that backstage we just saw, very classic, lazy, WWE legend use, Ron Simmons coming out and saying, damn, I know. I get it. I don't want to be a party pooper, but it's just how many times have we seen that exact same thing? Every time. Every time. It's just people milling around in a room. It doesn't actually look like a party. It doesn't actually look like any place anyone would hang out. Well, you know what the problem is, too? Like, there's no music. Just have some light in the background playing. I, I, I get that people have lines 
and you want them to deliver their lines and you might not want to have to pay for it, just get some music in the background. I'm sure CFOs could whip up some elevator music. It's it's really true. You got to have something. You know, like it just feels weird. And now we see the club with their new club shirt that doesn't really make sense. It just says the OC. So it seems like it's the show the OC and there's a weird face on it. it looks like Bray Wyatt. Yeah. I think that's supposed to be like a Shogun or something. I don't know. But um, how do you feel about that name, the OC? Uh, as we watch Jerry Briscoe, who somehow won the title without doing anything. I mean, there's uh, a ref. Made it official. He runs into Kelly Kelly, who looks like she's doing quite well also. And I guess I guess she gave – I guess you're supposed to think she gave Briscoe a, 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 a low blow. Yeah, but he just went uh, down. He doesn't even hold his uh, hold his crotch area or anything like that. He just drops. And Kelly Kelly now wins the twenty four seven championship. I so will a say woman this now has the title. I like that. I like that because they did say any person across all three brands, and I've been waiting for Carmella to be the one to turn on our truth and um, pull in this championship and bring it home for the ladies. But uh, now that Kelly Kelly has done it and that precedent has been set, I'm ready for it to really be a free-for-all amongst all the superstars. And this would have been a good way, though, with Kelly Kelly having the title to get it on Carmella. Agreed. Without her having to pin R-Truth. And then it could have created something funny between R-Truth and Carmella. So now Samoa Joe is cutting a promo. And I guess, you know, Greg, I understand the idea of it's Raw Reunion, but we just want to do a regular show. And let's be clear. This whole thing was put together to pop a rating. It ha- it did. They hit 3 million viewers for the first time in a long time. Um, and I get you want to just do what your show is. But ultimately, why I see the reunion as a huge failure, in my opinion, this is the shoot arrow, is that... You got a lot of eyeballs with all these stars, and what did you do to make people want to keep watching next week? Did you do enough? Because, like, let's be honest, they're there to see the legends. That's why you got new eyeballs, because they were there to see all these people. And what did you do with these people? So you want to expose them to the new superstars, but then you got to come up with meaningful ways to incorporate the legends with the new superstars. Not just as silly backstages that then lead to regular stuff to me. Because if you're someone who just tuned in this week, you don't watch. You watched because they promoted these legends. You wanted to see Stone Cold. Do you care about this regular Samoa Joe promo? Yeah, I don't think the average person does care. I mean, I will say this, though. As a wrestling fan, it was captivating. And I I did like the idea of him just coming out and sort of trashing the family of, like, basically every other Samoan on the roster is in this one family. And then you have Samoa Joe and him just being like, they're not representing our culture properly. They suck. I thought, I thought it was great. I almost, though, would have liked to see him you know, 
maybe before Roman Reigns comes out, instead of him just talking about them, have a situation where there's a legend where he gets in their face and Roman makes the save. You know, that's what I'm saying. Use one of these legends within the segment to make it more meaningful. He could have said that anytime. He didn't need them backstage. Any week he could go up there and talk trash about the other Samoans. And now you get Samoa Joe uh, versus Joe from Samoa. <laughs> yeah. Which they always deliver, though. I mean, that's a match I could get excited for any time. And it's like you said, because they were popping the rating, I think they they did this. They were walking a bit of a tightrope, and they did it to themselves. I guess it might have been at the request of the network. Who knows? But, you know, they had that situation where they had to appease to people who show up every week and the people who show up just to see the legends. And I feel like... They did a decent job at at pleasing everybody. At least for me, this match definitely did the job. Uh, Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns, but they they were definitely they were gonna do that anyway. This is was for sure there in case of emergency break glass match that they could throw out there and just have have the crowd be happy with without having to use any legends. What time did this air during the actual show? Nine o'clock. Uh, yes. This was the top of hour two. Um, now Roman's pop, on the other hand, I feel like has truly uh, dissipated from where it was. You think it's going back to the 50-50? Not quite 50-50. At this point, I think people still feel bad about the idea of jeering him. It just feels quiet, I would say. Which is a shame. Like, I mean, honestly, if you want to boo the man, I feel like by all means, just go ahead and boo. Yeah, you. I, I don't think you should feel bad. If you want to boo the guy, boo him. You shouldn't be thinking about his real life, you know, the fact that he's come back the way he has. If you want to boo him, boo him. Right. The worst thing you, the worst thing you could do is be apathetic. Um. But yeah, Roman's in sort of an in-between place right now. You know, it's, he's not in the main event picture still. You know, he, he had the graveyard dogs thing, which was a fun thing to do one off. But here we are now right after it. And it's Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. And where will Roman Reigns end up? Does Roman necessarily need to be in the main event? you think no no i mean in fact it's probably time that he not be in the main event picture you certainly can't have him always in it um that hasn't worked you know forcing him down people's throat to be the main event every week has not seemed to be what people want but uh it is weird that he's sort of in no man's land by the way roman roman underrated for the bumps he takes Which one did you did you see that made you say that? That was the shoulder into the corner and then falling out of the ring. Um, and you know I love everything about Samoa Joe as a person, as a wrestler, as a character. Everything except his weird bad gym shorts. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever seen uh, shorts like it. 
But I guess, you know, that mobility, he need that he needs to be able to move around. Samoa Joe looks like he's wearing the kind of shorts that a pervert will wear to the strip club. <laughs> like they're so thin. <laughs> they're like these flimsy, thin, in between, I don't know what they are shorts. Um Are you in the match? Yes, I am. I just saw Roman catch a headbutt. He's getting dragged around the ringside area. But yeah, these two can go. If you wanted to make this a story and build a SummerSlam with some sort of stipulation match, I would be into Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe in a cage or something with a little bit of a stip, you know? Or even like a strap match or something. So wait, so this is still not a match. There's still no, ra- there's uh, no referees. It really is just Samoa Joe sort of having his way uh, with Roman Reigns right now. Mike's strewn about the ring. Now I don't know if they already skipped or are going to skip as oh the super punch to Joe, um, the Superman punch off the apron. Um, Oh, wait, watch out. Here comes a flying push. No, no flying push. But uh, the the scene that happened backstage, maybe we'll see it or maybe it already didn't happen on the 90-minute version that made my dad go, what are you watching, was when Charlie started dancing with the Godfather. <laughs> I don't think that's they, in this one. They got to stop having Charlie dance. You're making her look nuts, dude. You're making her look nuts. And let's be honest. Whether he says it or the crowd says it, yeah, the hoes. You, you, you can't, you can't do the hoe train anymore, guys. It's over. Yeah, it's over. There's so many other better things th- than that. Which, by the way, I thought was always stupid. Um, but there's so many other better things that were left in the '90s that would be seen as too edgy. So why still mention that? Did you, um? What's that show on the network? I think it's called Photo Shoot. Yeah. Did you see his episode of Photo Shoot? No. I have <laughs> not seen that. There's an episode of uh of that show. I'm pretty sure it's Photo Shoot. And it's on the network. And you have Charles White going through all of like his different gimmicks and personas and everything like that. And then he talks about the Godfather. And of course, you know, he loved being the Godfather. And then they flash over to the good father and he's just like, yeah, you know, this was a really dark time in my career. <laughs> and it was just like, <laughs> he was so, he was so upset that they took away like the hoes and the, and the, and the, <laughs> and the, the player gimmick and the pimp gimmick and just like stripped it down. To uh to the good father, like he was legitimately sad and on the verge of tears, and like just at the thought of not <laughs> being the Godfather anymore. And I'm just like, yo, <laughs> you, uh, you can't do that. You can't do that. So, so by the way, now I'm at the point where they go to commercial, come back, and now there is a referee. So even though they basically had an entire match with no referee. Now they're going to have a match with the referee. 
Right. That's the way to do it, though. And I mean, isn't that what they said was going to... I'm glad they did that instead of a two out of three falls match because um, the edict that was supposedly handed down right. was uh, no action during commercials. So The only thing... I agree with you. It's better than another two out of three falls match. The only thing that maybe I would have done differently is cut to commercial just a bit sooner. Um, cause it was just a lot of time with them already in the ring before you start their match. Yeah. So I think it's, it's hard to keep the crowd excited for basically what feels like a second match. And maybe um, they were stalling to, for time too. I don't know. They have to do something with this ridiculous edict. It's so silly. They may, maybe the thing is to just get rid of it. Like you said, um, this problem that they, have trying to solve or like are attempted to solve by not having any action or commercials is not a problem. They've conditioned us already to, to, you know, this is a part of the action. It's going to go to commercial. It'll come back. The match is not going to end during commercials. So the commercials really aren't an issue, but now it's a situation where, or the match will end before the commercial or be stalled somehow before the commercial and then they'll go to commercial and they'll come back and they'll be doing something else that's stupid instead of just letting the action flow. And I, I haven't yeah. been in the arena since they've done this, but I, I have to imagine that for the people in the arena, it just makes the experience so awful. Yeah, just stalling for five minutes. The yeah. way to do it, the way to do it is really just to have you see the beginning of someone's entrance because an entrance t- can take so long anyway, and give slow down the entrance of whoever the first person is, and then the second entrance isn't on TV, and then when you come back, they're both in the ring and you start. Yeah. I mean, commercial commercial breaks are what, four minutes, five minutes? I think three. That is that all that ever is, even at the top of the hour? I think so. And I mean, Hulu gives me like 60 to 90 seconds, so I really can't complain. But, um. Well, if it's only three minutes, it's there's even less of a reason to do it. Three minutes, you can definitely, it could be one person's intro. Yeah, no, I don't understand they, how commercials became such a such an issue that they had to change the way they do things. Or you have whoever gets introduced first cuts a little promo just for the audience in attendance, and then you bring out the next person when we get back. Yeah, all like, all of these suggestions make sense. I just hope they uh, they take you up on one of them because. Anything is better than what they're doing right now. Yeah, the the random unimportant match that gets two out of three falls. One of the things that's interesting about watching the Hulu version is seeing what they decided was worthy of putting on it. Yeah. You know, what was the best 90 minutes of the show? Um, sometimes I agree. Sometimes I, like, vehemently disagree. Oh, you think they just leave out stuff that you're like, how did you leave that out? Right, or like they'll chop the best part of a promo off or like they'll edit something weird out that like you know is there. I'm just like, why? So back to what I've been watching recently, 
if you guys want to go on a run and watch the four Raws leading up to WrestleMania 21 in 2005, it's interesting to go back just 14 years and see how much better the product was. Because I think most people would agree that 2005 was the very end of like ruthless aggression and sort of the last era of WWE. And man, those shows are pretty good. They really are pretty good. I mean, you have great matches with Shelton Benjamin and Edge and Christian and uh, Jericho's involved um, uh, with the highlight reel. And, you know, at that point, Christian had Tyson Tomko as his, as his bodyguard. You have even, they even made the most out of Trish and Christy Hemi. And, you know, Christy Hemi was one of those deals where she was in Playboy. So she got a WrestleMania match, but they paired her with Lita, which makes sense. And, you know, um, that stuff's not bad considering, um, then you have Randy Orton and Undertaker, which is a great setup. It I may, felt like Randy Orton should have broke the streak that year. He should have. He should have. That was I the truly, only way to end. Like that would have been the perfect because he was in the the midst of that legend killer gimmick that I thought was so great. I mean, he got everybody, and the the two losses that he took at that time which I thought for me just made no sense was he did not break Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. And then he went on to face Hogan at SummerSlam and did not break Hogan's SummerSlam streak either. And I'm just like, how do you, how do you not do that? It would have been perfect. Um, and also I'm reminded is now they are going to show Miz TV, it looks like, in the 90-minute version, which I don't know if I would have done that. Um, Orton also, you're reminded when you watch him in 2005, when he was so over, um, of of how good he was when his character was a little less mysterious and more just regular badass. Mm-hmm. You know, before he just got into like, I hear voices and he's weird and what is he thinking? No, he was a guy who was a third generation superstar. He talked about it and he just was a badass. The RKO was incredible. Um, he beat up everyone. Also underrated like two weeks before WrestleMania, um, 21. Do you remember his, uh, his, his highlight reel was it highlight reel that he did? Um, I think it was Jer. Was Jericho show the highlight reel? Jericho was the highlight reel. I think it was Jericho's show that Jake the Snake came on. I don't. I don't remember that. He did Jake the Snake eat the RKO? Sure did, and ate it beautifully. And it's really interesting because we know that Jake was nowhere near healthy at that time, right? Like he was still in a bad place. Um, he was fat. He was uh, still on drugs. He was not doing well, and he was still great. Mm-hmm. Not only was he great with his talking, 
but also the way he ate the RKO and almost gave uh, Randy the DDT. It was great. It's a great spot. And also, Greg, it was one of those situations they built up to Undertaker and you barely ever saw the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. It, you didn't have to. And, man, Randy at that time, you're reminded of just how mage he is. And I, that's one of the reasons, you know, I wasn't watching it yet. But a couple of weeks ago, I was disappointed that Randy didn't win that battle royal. It just felt like maybe this was the time to give Randy another run. You know, how much gas could he possibly have in the tank? Yeah, he, he feel like he was injury prone too. So how much gas can he have in the tank is a, is a damn good question. But, um, Randy Lesnar, do we want to see that again? We, we sort of got that a few years ago at SummerSlam and, um, I, I don't think it delivered what people thought it would. No, they never had the match that I feel like they're capable of, but to me, it would still feel fresher than Seth Brock. I feel like I've seen it at 90 events. Yeah. I'm just, I know some people are good with it. I'm just bored. Who else was in that battle royal? I mean, Big E and Brock would have been. Yeah, Big E was, uh, was there. <coughs> um, Braun was there. Um, Baron Corbin was there. Don't do that one. That was not the one. Don't, don't do that. No, no, that's not the one. Uh, Roman was there. Um, Roman Brock's boring. Seth Brock's boring. Braun, Brock, Braun, Braun, Brock is boring. Um, Braun Brock is the least boring of the other boring ones, though. <laughs> but it, yeah, probably. But if you had gone Randy and allowed him to sort of go back to, I don't know, man. It's just because I'm watching this old Randy. It reminds me of like what he was capable of on the mic. He was good, man. He was a kid, and he was good. He was, and I, I think, for me at least, that's where some of the disappointment with Randy Orton comes in is like you watch the Legend Killer stuff and you watch the Evolution stuff, and um, even when he started to hear the voices and things like that and was on his sort of revenge crusade against Triple H and the McMahon family, it's like at some point he got bored and you really feel that you feel the boredom you feel the laziness and i know you know on social media there was a debate about where he ranks and where he places amongst the all-time greats and is he an all-time great and i feel like if he didn't get bored like visibly bored and almost sort of lazy for me he could be an all-time great but for because he did and he is, it's just like, I can't rank him too high because if he doesn't care, why, why do I care? Yeah, it's tough because your point is well taken. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. I mean, listen, Cena didn't get bored and we still got bored of him during the same era. It was a, I think writing wise, he got through a really tough time. You know, I just think they lost what to do with those guys. You know, after Randy and Cena did so much stuff, Edge was gone. Um, you know, Randy's been around through these eras. And yes, I do think he checked out a bit, but I can't say I don't understand. I do. I could see how it would have been hard, you know. Um, 
but they they he they really should come up with something good for him before it's over. Um, well, and this, I would love if, well, Kofi, if instead they, of him, could be good. Yeah, wait. You mean if they brought it back? Well, no. Uh, Randy Orton and Kofi Kingston are going to face each other at SummerSlam for the. Uh, it's a fit. It's official. It is official. Kofi laid down the challenge, and Randy Orton accepted. This was on SmackDown. Oh, I still haven't watched SmackDown this week. I'm going to watch it tonight. Um, so was there any? Did they talk about history at all, or was it just sort of like he accepted it? They did, but they really sanitized it. Um, if you ask me, because um, Kofi aired a clip from a Raw in November 2009. 2009, excuse me. And he sort of pointed out that Randy Orton, like he had Randy Orton's number, but yet and still, uh, after that Raw, Randy Orton used his influence to hold Kofi back. And then Randy was sort of like, I didn't have to hold you back. You just weren't ready. Which, cool, but I feel like they could have gone deeper with that. You know what I mean? There's that clip of Randy Orton calling Kofi stupid in the middle of the ring for what seems like an innocent mistake, but I'm not in there, so I don't know how dangerous it it was, actually. But um, I feel like they could have gone way deeper with that than just Kofi got hot and then Randy cooled him down. Wouldn't it be a fun bit to do if, like, uh, if if they showed, you know, they did a thing backstage with Kofi and his kids... And Kofi's like, oh, I'm so excited you guys are here, blah, 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 it's so great. But you gotta tell me, you know, you, you know, tell everyone, who's your favorite superstar? <laughs> and it's like he's expecting them to be like, dad. And his older son's like, Randy Orton. And, and, and then Randy walks up as he's saying it and is like, oh, hey, hey, Kofi. And you see his son's all excited. And he's like, oh, I heard, I, heard, I couldn't help but overhear your son say I'm his favorite superstar. <laughs> and then, and then he like, you know, gets down and is like, and then he's like, oh, come here, little man. And he's like, you want to take a picture together? And like, act super cool with him and is super nice. And Kofi's sitting there like, what the hell, trying to play it cool because Randy Orton's there with his kids. And you see Randy, you know, maybe have some like overly friendly exchange with Kofi's wife. And and then Randy just walks out without doing anything, and Kofi's wife is going on about how great he is and blah blah blah, working towards sort of one of those. What, I'm trying to think of the movie that does it best, where like the woman or man is like trying to take over someone else's family. <laughs> I don't feel like any movies do that good. I know someone did, um, as we now see Candace Michelle. Taking out Kelly Kelly and getting the three count with Molina as referee. Um, Molina looks great. Molina looks like she could work right now. She's another one who left too soon, though. Like, uh, absolutely, way too soon. Molina, I feel like she might have still been in her twenties awesome. when she stopped wrestling. Yeah, Molina was awesome. Melina at her best was awesome. Here comes Alundra Blaze. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to think of a creepy, fun storyline that makes it meaningful, you know? No, that, I mean, that yeah. would definitely do it. <laughs> you know what and I mean? Randy, and Randy never has to show, he never has to do a scene with his family 
in which he's violent or anything, you know? He can just act like this great guy. Well, that's the thing, so because Randy's we know like, Randy, so he doesn't have to be like how Samoa Joe was overly like, I'm going to hurt you, and then, like, I'm going to destroy your family and then pick up the pieces. Randy could just, like... Oh, no, I just am a good... Yo, Kofi, you have a beautiful family. Yeah. But we know because then, he's the Viper. Right. I think that would be awesome. Because you got to make the story mean something. Right now, it's been so long since Randy's been super meaningful that if you don't make it mean something, uh, what do you have? Alundra Blaze comes out. What did you think of this bit with uh, her throwing the title in the trash? I loved it, um, honestly, because it was a real nod to those two moments. the Her throwing the title in the trash and then Ted DiBiase coming out to buy it from her, but this time actually being allowed to keep the championship that he purchased. I thought those two nods to history um, were really well done. And it was a it was a good way to bring the twenty four seven championship back to the the male side of the roster without them having to, you know what I mean? Like no ladies were had to get punched in the face. Nobody had to eat at the end of days. The title just came back and it allowed it to transition. Uh, spoiler alert: back to our truth by the end of the night without any uh, intergender violence. Well, not too much intergender violence. I would have enjoyed, I would have enjoyed Ted DiBiase keeping the 24-7 title for a minute. You know, why not bring him back next week? Well, we don't know his fee, man. He is the million dollar man. They probably can't afford him. This is probably, we haven't seen Ted in a while. This is probably all they could afford. It's a very good point. But did you see the stack that he handed to her too, though? Talk about everybody has a price. Yeah, he wasn't playing around. Is is this championship that's only months old? I don't know. That had to be at least two thousand dollars right there. Yo, he overpaid for the twenty four seven championship. He definitely did. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even pay that much for a replica twenty four seven championship. I, I mean, I wouldn't pay twenty dollars to get the actual title. He definitely overpaid for that. But yo, shout out to Alundra Blaze, man. She turned trash into treasure like right before our eyes. And now they say Seth and AJ is coming up. Um, now, now listen, this makes sense in that you're putting on, you're taking two of your best talents and putting them on as Jerry Lawler comes out and joins. What did you think of the guest announcing they did, bringing different people out for a segment to do announcing? I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. Um, especially, you know, Jerry Lawler has been at the announce table. You know, Booker T has been at the announce table. Christian was cool, but um, yeah, I liked it. And I, again, it's a it was a good way to use legends in roles that made sense. Like legendary announcer, come out to announce a match between two men who are definitely going to be future legends, um, Seth Rollins and and uh, AJ Styles. Now, also, what do you think about the whole by going with the OC? And I just saw their Titan Tron says the, the only, only club, club that, that matters. matters. Yeah, I like that. I do like that part of it. But the OC, though, name, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about the OC. Why not just call it the original club? Because that sounds as corny as the club, though. The club was just like, okay, are you the chess club? What, like, what club? 
because again, they couldn't use Bullet Club. And what even if, if the, the what if they said the original Bullet Club? I think they still would run into some uh, some legal trouble if Japan if New Japan owns the trademark to it. And then also too, like I don't know that they could get away with that with the sponsors. They even like Bullet Club name. But yeah, I don't know about the OC, bro. I don't know either. And then I didn't watch the show either. So I don't know how even, if it's worth even being associated with that. Oh, what? With New Japan? No, the OC, that TV show that was on. Oh, the show, the, the show, the OC. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely not. I wasn't an OC guy. Now here comes the real Seth Rollins, not the guy who I played earlier in the show. But the guy from early in the show seems like a great guy, even though he has has no idea who Seth Rollins or Brock Lesnar or any of our, our staples are, you know, our mainstays. He seemed like a good guy. Absolutely. And I want to remind everyone again, if you're still listening to the show and you want to hang out with us at SummerSlam, eventbrite.com. Search for Peter Rosenberg or Cheap Heat. Buy your tickets. Come hang out. Eat some delicious chicken. Watch SummerSlam. It's going to be a good time. Live podcast, all that. Tickets are selling too. I don't know if we have a cap, um, but I do know that several people contacted me to let me know, hey, I bought some tickets. They showed me the screenshots. They're going to be in the building. So those tickets are moving. Oh yeah, definitely do that because I haven't, I haven't been looking. I haven't got an update yet, but feel free to tweet me or email me rosenbergbeats at gmail.com with the screenshot that you'll be in the building. Um, I have not asked for a ticket update yet, um, but I guess it's what? It's two weeks from Sunday? Uh, yeah, August 12th, right? Yeah, August yeah two 11th. weeks from Sunday. All right, let's, uh, let's get to an email or two while Seth and AJ do their thing. Let's see. What do we have? Well, first we have my email froze. Let's try that again. <laughs> Rosenbergbeats at gmail.com. That's how you send us email. Um, Jordan writes us. Hey, Rosenberg, long time, first time. I'm a recent graduate of radio broadcasting. Oh, no, this is him just asking about radio career. Um, <laughs> oh, well, you know what? I'll, re- I'll read the email. Let me read the email and try to help out. Maybe other people need this. Long time, first time. I'm a recent graduate of radio and broadcasting school and have always wanted to model my career after yours. Uh, so much influence in so many areas and so many arenas, I should say. And always keeping it 100. I'm working a dead-end job right now trying to make ends meet and applying to on-air positions as much as possible. I'm currently working on a solo podcast but feeling a little discouraged after not hearing back from 10-plus radio stations. When you were coming up, how did you stay motivated in the face of rejection? And do you have any tips for a young broadcaster trying to break into the business? Thank you for all you do, and I wish you and the physically large one nothing but the best. Proud member of the Shoot Arrow, Jordan. Well, first of all, thanks for reaching out, man. Um, I will tell you what. Applying for radio jobs is not easy, and I never got a job. Here's a fun fact about Peter Rosenberg. At 40 years old, I never got a radio job 
from sending out an air check tape. Never. In fact, it's something that almost still bothers me. I never had that process actually work out. Um, and I sent out many, many an air check. Um, I got my job. My, my first on air job came, you know, not counting college radio after interning at a radio station. Um, the in, the radio station that I interned for, um, I started board hopping and they had another station they were cool with as DX comes out, by the way, to save Seth Rollins. And they, they had another radio station in a small market that they had connections at. And they called that radio station and said, Hey, we have this guy. He's, he's really good, but he's not ready for us. Do you have any room? And that was how I got my first job was basically from the station I interned at a big station kind of putting in the word. And then after I did that for a summer, I came back and got overnights on the big station. Um, and then after that, you know, it, it, all my stuff came really from like one person's word of mouth. I mean, with the exception of hot where I had always kind of been banging on their door to no avail. And then I made noise with YouTube videos and Ebro saw it and he was shortly thereafter. He became program director and brought me up for an interview. Um, so like I never had that experience work either. So don't get discouraged about you sent out tapes and didn't hear back because I never had that happen myself. By the way, that flying knee from Seth was so bad. Yeah. He, he missed, he missed AJ by a foot. Um, I don't normally critique Seth Rollins in ring work, but that was, I don't know whose fault it was, but it looked a pug. Um, so yeah, don't get discouraged by that, but you also have to go meet people. You have to find a way to get FaceTime with people, you know, call people and ask for a meeting, build a personal connection. Um, you know, I don't know what market you're in, but call a radio station, see if, you know, even say to the guy, even if you don't have any room for a job right now, I would just love 15 minutes to talk to you about my career and get, get advice. Try to get that time with them face to face. Um, you know, or if you're stack guy, Greg, just meet Cypher sound and ask yeah. him if you can come do stats on the show. And before you know it, you're on the number one sports and recreation podcast, which has brought Greg millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. I'm retiring off a of cheap heat. And I think about it all the time. Just how like you really should have said no, there was no reason. Uh, I'm not even sure how you, I mean, uh, maybe you love Sife that much. Maybe you just were like, I don't know. You really should have said no. But this yeah, also I, goes to what you're saying, telling him, like, you know, you got to shoot your shot. Well, I guess that is what it was ultimately because you just asked Sife if you could come in and write down stats, right? Yeah, I was like, I'll come in and write down stats. And then, like, if need be, I can correct them. And that was it. Like, that was. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't anticipate becoming the co host of the show, did you? No. I didn't anticipate being like when you guys invited me to do the one and then we're like, all right, we'll see you next week. That was a shock. Like the, Oh, I'll come back. And then after that, 
I was like, all right, well, they didn't say don't come back. So. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't know what I was thinking either, honestly. Um, I thought we could use help having stats because we didn't know them. Um, and then you were such a nice guy. And then over time, it just, it just yeah, that's the thing. It, that really is the story. You know, granted, in this case, it led to Greg earning exactly zero dollars. Um, not zero, not zero. Over the, over the years, there have been hundreds of dollars. Um, <laughs> uh, from t-shirt sales and things of that nature. Uh, some live events. sales, which we hit yeah. up Eventbrite. Yeah, hit up Eventbrite so Greg can make some money. This is where we make some actual dough on this. Um, so yeah, I think that's, you know, I know that was a really long answer as now, Old ass DX. I gotta tell you, this part's a little depressing. Yeah. They all look so, I mean, actually, you know what? Seeing ever, seeing Kevin Nash and Scott Hall makes HBK look really great. Yeah. And, and honestly, when you were about to say they all look really depressing, no, it's just Hall. It's just Hall. Even Nash, like with the silver fox look and the gray. You know what? You're right. You're right. Nash looks good, actually. I shouldn't say that. Nash actually looks in great shape, and his Silver Fox look is working. Yeah, Hall, though, I'm just like, oh, no. So here's my question. Can can X-Pac move around at all anymore or no? (laughs) I'm not sure. sure. By the way, I got to tell you guys this right now. I don't know if I've said it before. I actually I know I have, but I'm going to say it again. X-Pac is the nicest guy in the world. He truly is a sweet man. Like that's the only word I can use to describe it. He is a sweetheart of a guy. Like I really don't know him and he is always so nice. And actually, you know what? X-Pac looks pretty good. Yeah, I don't think he I've looks- heard you say that. He does really? look pretty good right there. Um I don't think I've heard you say that. And and honestly, too, it goes to, like, when I think about my interactions with some of these guys, I would not have guessed that X-Pac would be somebody that you would describe as a really nice, sweet person. But at the same time, like, a lot of people who I don't think the general public would describe as, like, nice or sweet were some of the coolest people that I, that I bumped into. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's because Xbox's gone through a lot of stuff, but he is, man, just such a kind person when I see him. I, you know, I, I don't know if he was like this in his prime, probably wasn't, but the person he is now, um, man, he's a kind, kind, uh, dude. Always with his little dog whose tongue sticks out of its mouth. <laughs> just like his tongue was sticking out of his mouth a moment ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ted DiBiase gets into the stretch limo. The camera starts shaking as if that means the car is somehow shaking. Doesn't make any sense, but I'll play along. (laughs) Oh, what's going on in there? And now Drake Maverick emerges with a referee holding his hand. And there's Drake's very attractive bride. She hides from the... Joe Bears, who come chasing after him, running three miles an hour. And we cut to Mick Foley. All right, let me get to another email as Mick comes out because we got to talk about what happens here. 
as they did use a superstar in this scene to actually further a new character. Um, so, oh, you wrote back also. Oh, yeah. The rarefied air email? Yeah, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Oh, I can. Good afternoon. Christopher writes, Good afternoon, Your Majesty and the physically always congested. I had to take the statless one to task on a statement he made, um, but he referred to Alexa Bliss as being in rarefied air in the ring. You're hurting me, he says. You're hurting me. Um, While I love Alexa Bliss, think she's super charismatic and wonderful all around, other than maybe her amount of title reigns, how can you say she's in rarefied air in ring? I challenge you to name me one or even two memorable Alexa Bliss matches and put that put her in the rarefied air. Like I said, big Alexa fan, but can't say she's exactly in the conversation of those women who are in rarefied air when it comes to in-ring. Love the pod. Fans since day one. Hoping to make it to the SummerSlam pod. Uh, stay mage. Take it easy and enjoy yourself. Chris Turner. I replied for you, SGG. On my birthday, because I'm a loser. <laughs> no, you're I wrote, with the life. I wrote, I think he meant she's in rarefied air for how over she is at almost all times and that she generally has solid matches week in, week out when she's working. I still think her best moment was Bunny in the Bank 2, the night she cashed in. She's in a precarious position because of the way she's being booked at the moment, stay mage. And he wrote back, that would make sense, but you never know with SGG, whether it's poor wording or just him being a little bit insane, haha. He knows you well. <laughs> um, anyways, I won't read his whole reply email, but then you replied, Rosenberg summed it up, what I meant by that statement, she kills it in every role she's giving. given, and in-ring, she's the only woman who works the way she does. Her in-ring style is totally unique to her, and she's peerless on the mic. So when you put that together, you get a talent that you just can't replicate. Her spot is hers until she walks away. That's a great response, SGG, and you really did a good job describing, uh, as Bray Wyatt appears. People love these Bray Wyatt appearances, huh? And we did not spend much time with Bray Wyatt's appearance last week. Yeah, no, I love them too, man. Like, that look is really freaky, but it works out. Um, And then it makes sense to have him give the mandible claw to Mick Foley. I would love if Bray kept using the mandible claw after this for a little while. I would too, but it, it really does sort of feel so 98 though, right? Like, you got... Yeah, like just... You got KO... lack of realism. Feuding with a McMahon... Stunning people left and right on SmackDown. You got a masked character running around giving people the mandible claw in Bray Wyatt. I mean, I like it. It fits, but it feels too on the nose at the same time. Yeah, maybe you're right. But what do you think about the Bray character so far as we've seen it appear? I like it. I like I like the way... He seems to be sort of disconnected from it um, as well. Because before when he was running around talking about Sister Abigail, like that Bray Wyatt was one and the same with um, his in-ring character. But even now with the Firefly Funhouse that we saw on SmackDown, he was just like uh, the Fiend, this other guy. He's just like awful. Like I think you're great, (laughs) but the Fiend hates you. He's coming and it's just like that break – between the two, there's a lot of potential to do even more scary, even more terrifying things with that. And I'm looking forward to them just getting weird. And now we get 
a moment of bliss with Alexa Bliss and Nikki. Um, don't know. Again, I just don't know that a moment of bliss has done anything to help Alexa Bliss. Like it could, it could. It's a good name for a segment. They have its own look they've never done previously with the state, the, the chairs where they are. But I just feel like it never ends up being a vehicle that serves Alexa Bliss. Yeah, I mean, I look, I think of it like Miz TV, right? Like how often does that serve the Miz? It does exactly what Miz TV does for the Miz. But he usually gets his ish in more than she does. She often loses control of the show within a minute. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can see that. But she's just so good on the mic, though, too. I feel like a talk show where she has a mic in her hand is perfect for her when they can't have her in the ring. But like you said, if she's just going to lose control, then it doesn't matter. I don't even remember. How does this end up? Does this end up with Natty and and Becky fighting? (laughs) You know it does. (laughs) You know Natty shows up. And that logo that um, that is on Natty's shirt when she comes out, is that new? Ooh, yes. It's a heart foundation with the cat. I like it. I'm not mad. Overdue. Good for Natty. I'm not mad Of course, last either. week I didn't. Although last week I did not like her just basically being like, you're a bad lover. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think so, they just misread so that. Like they tried to lead into social media and what's being said online, but they they didn't understand the why of why people felt like that, and so it just went in a in a strange direction. Now, talk about one of the craziest stories, one of the most twenty nineteen stories ever. Are you seeing that Donald Trump has been tweeting again about ASAP Rocky? Yeah, and I hope that um, Rocky doesn't become a token because that's the exactly what is going to happen. Well, I do, here's the problem for Donald Trump uh, in this situation. He, he thinks this is going to be some great look for him winning over black votes. I don't think he realizes that while, you know, there are plenty of black people who love ASAP Rocky – if you broke down the numbers, he probably has way more white people who buy his music than black. Yep. So, like, if you really think the average black person cares about ASAP Rocky, I don't think they do. They, they've they heard of him. They know he's famous, and they might get excited if they saw him. But, you know, it's he is not like some... You know, I don't know how to describe it. You're not you're not helping out Colin Kaepernick. Exactly, and I was just gonna say that too. Like helping out like individual people in these isolated incidents does not help the community because you still leave those policies in place. You haven't addressed those practices that allow for those situations that you know that put people in danger to carry on. So we just at least for me, if he does, if Donald Trump steps in, good for him, good for Rocky. If not, you know, the system will run its course, and I think Rocky will be all right either way. 
but it's just a rich guy helping out another rich guy, which doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't impact enough people. But I, I was saying today when I saw Saif, because he didn't know that much about it, I was filling him in. And if you don't know ASAP Rocky, the the rapper and good dude, uh, Peter Palooza veteran, uh, gentleman. Anyways, Rocky was arrested in Sweden after being followed by some weird Swedish dudes. He ended up beating them up and, uh, and that is, as a result is in jail awaiting, um, trial. So Donald Trump has intervened and, and in today's tweets, I said to Sife today, as our truth wins the title back and steals Drake Maverick's wife and title. Um, <laughs> which is the only way to celebrate, right? This guy's been harassing you all this time. Take the limo, the wife and the title. Just go. So, so I said to Sife earlier today, I could see because Sweden doesn't seem to care what Donald Trump's doing, it has nothing to do with Rocky, but I could see Trump literally turning this into a friggin' international incident if he sees it as perceived disrespect of him. Which he will. Which he will. He wrote very disappointed in Prime Minister Stefan Levin for being unable to act. Sweden has let our African American community down. How is it? How is Sweden <laughs> let down our African American community? Like, because he's black? I don't get it. Sweden has let down our, our African American community down in the United States. I watched the tapes of ASAP Rocky and he was being followed and harassed by troublemakers. Treat Americans fairly. Hashtag free Rocky. That end part may have been the most I've ever agreed with Donald Trump. He was being followed and harassed by troublemakers, but. That part, that, that is the truest. <laughs> Yo, guys, that is true. He said a true statement. And then he said, give ASAP Rocky his freedom. We do so much for Sweden, but it doesn't seem to work the other way around. Sweden should focus on its real crime problem. <laughs> Hashtag free, free Rocky. Yes, the president of the United States <laughs> is Donald Trump. Quick update. Donald Trump in 2019 is president of the United States, and he just tweeted, Hashtag free Rocky about... Yo, we are just, we are just moments away from, you know, Vince McMahon being president of the United States and tweeting, uh, hashtag free Max B. Okay. Like, uh, Ric Flair takes the stage, by the way. I'm going to turn the volume up, SGG. That's the part that I'm on. I'm going to turn the volume up a little bit, um, in a second. And I'm right there with you. I'm watching him bow down to, uh, everybody on stage as people are still filing out. And a lot of people were questioning why Alicia Fox was with the Legends. I Do we was know too. that Alicia Fox has left? Um, I don't think she left, but I wonder if they quietly transitioned her into like um, an ambassador type of role. And just didn't say anything. I, I really don't know. Hurricane, Kevin Nash, X-Pac... Scott Hall, uh, sorry, there's Kevin Nash, Rikishi, Ted DiBiase, Flair, Ron Simmons, Lillian, RVD, Kelly Kelly, Santino looking good, looking like my boy Mike Mansuri, uh, <laughs> Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Tori Wilson, Booker T, Alundra Blaze, Mark Henry, um, with the gray beard going, uh, Kurt Angle, Eve Torres, Boogeyman's up there, um, and here it comes Hulk Hogan, let's listen in. Talk about no pop. 
not even from his fellow legends. And what what I sort of it sort of brought a smile to my face to see. And I, I gotta do this. I gotta tip my hat and pay respect to Shawn Michaels. And when Hulk Hogan walked out, he threw his hands in his pocket. He did. And then him and Triple H just kind of stood there. Oh, you're right. They didn't. Triple H did not clap. Alicia Fox, of course, clapping harder than anyone. But that's just because Alicia Fox is crazy. <laughs> Ron Simmons and Jimmy Hart clapping. Mark Henry not clapping. Kelly Kelly clapping, but I'd rather ignore that. To see, to see Shawn Michaels and Triple H look sort of disinterested, though, warmed my heart. Trip. Yo, they both went hands in pockets. We got to analyze this. This is what we do. I'm not a body language Trip. expert, but I mean, they both went hands in pockets and they sort of are not really reacting to anything he said. There's not a smile. There's not a like they seem to be off in their own world. They're interacting with each other. All right, let's listen in. We're right here with all my Tampa, Florida, Hulkamaniacs, Jack. Great. And for all the maniacs throughout all the years that sport the maniacs that train, set their prayers, and ate their vitamins, I want to thank you guys a million times over. So I guess there's just one last question to ask everybody. Already? That's it? Okay. What you gonna do when the Raw reunion and Hulkamania comes wild on you, brother? The Raw reunion? Yeah. The Raw reunion. Hashtag Raw reunion. I don't know how to spell it though. I don't know either. <laughs> I mean. And then Michael Cole has to pretend what a moment. It's not a moment. And now. There's a next we will hear... in there. Was it a terrible moment? Right. Was it a, what an awful moment. I will say Nate's dancing is amazing though. Oh yeah, I love it. Alright, now here we go. Too. Let's hear, let's hear when the real goat comes out. Here we go. Now, Sean clapped a couple times slowly at the end and then turns and talks. It was sort of like a mocking clap though, like uh, if, if I have to. A little bit. Melina's dancing. Melina really does look great by the way. Alright, here we go. Here's the real moment. God, it's amazing. They're not even showing the crowd. They just showed the superstars because the crowd was dead. Here you go. So, first of all, Stone Cold gets the real pop. And here's where I want to analyze what happened in this in this moment. Steve Austin, SGG, he shouts out Hulk Hogan, he shouts out Ric Flair, he does all that. But did you notice that from the second Austin comes out, he does not truly acknowledge anyone there. He walks straight to the ring. He kind of cuts through, he almost bumps into Hurricane or someone, (laughs) I can't remember who. And he looks over to both sides like he always does when he walks, but doesn't acknowledge anyone. You know, and in that moment, I put up a Twitter thing about this, but I know a lot of you aren't on Twitter. This moment, it's just a random Raw reunion, but it made clear 
It's over. Stone Cold Steve Austin is number one. Yeah, definitively. Def- like it, it, They have decided. They decided as a company. We've decided um, also, though. I mean, like, it's it's just clear. Like, the people have decided, and the, and the company has realized. And SGG, I'm sorry. I just can't help but think that a big part of that is because Hogan never handled his situation properly. He never truly addressed it. You can have as many private conversations as you want. Um, you can do, he did the lame, terrible public apology, but he never did it the right way. Between that and the fact that Austin is a hundred times better on the mic, Austin will always be now the guy and Hogan will be the warm up guy. And that is an amazing turn of events when you think about yeah, the history of this company. It is. I mean, Hogan, it's, it's how it's had to be though, right? Like, Austin is number one now, like, clearly. They they gave Hogan about two minutes. They gave Austin almost ten. And you could tell he didn't have a script, and they were just like, just go. And he brought it home so perfectly. It's the best part of the show. If you don't have much time this week and you're like, you know what, I heard you guys talk about it. I don't need to watch it. Austin's promos all you have to watch. And now, Greg, I'm going to dive in even deeper into analyzing what happened. And I know I'm reaching a little bit, but guess what? That's what we do. So first of all, the way it's positioned, we now know what this is. Austin, and, and I got a, I got a tweet about it that summed it up really well. Hogan's character, and let's just, let's pretend Hulk Hogan did not do the terrible things that he did. Right. His character is still an 80s cartoon character. Steve Austin's character is eternal. This, this a character, this character, Steve Austin had times in his, in his most over moments when he was dressed wearing the worst jorts of all time, braces everywhere. He really did not look cool. It doesn't matter. He will always be cool. He's a real life badass. He is. Like he is just a he is a bad some bitch. That's just who Steve Austin is. So the character always works. So you have Hogan trying to wear Jordans, trying to look cool, Austin wearing his broken skull ranch hat um and with army the army fatigue color broken skull ranch hat, which he gave me one by the way. I'm very proud of it. Um and wearing jeans and a t-shirt like he always does. This is who he is. It always works. But SGG, he starts telling stories here and he tells the story about being in the elevator, um, and running into people. And I think it's probably about to come up right now. So maybe we can listen and hear it and I'll give you my thoughts on it. Let's see. I spent the day with the one and only Hulk Hogan. We did a podcast. We drank some beer. And then we ate sushi. <laughs> I didn't know Stone Cold eat sushi. I think Hogan loves sushi. Last night, I stayed up all night long listening to Rick Blair stories while I drank every damn beer in the bar. Thank you, Mitchell Boy. By the time I got finished listening to Rick's stories, drinking all that beer, I said, I gotta order some room service. So I went upstairs and I ordered quesadillas, hamburgers, french fries, 
another hamburger, a hot dog, a stack of pancakes, and a Coke. And then I said, no, hell no. I said, Blair's so happy. Yeah. I'm going down for one more round. So I got in the elevator. I went down one floor. Now listen up here. Door slid open. And there was Ron Simmons. I looked at Ron. Ron looked at me. And we were both giddy. And I beat him to the punch. I said, damn. And me and Ron started hugging for like 25 or 30 seconds. And if you didn't know us, you'd think we'd have something going on. That's how, damn. That's how we wanted to see each other. Went down, Mark Henry was down there, Boogie Man was down there, Godfather was down there, we kept it going. It's all about the brotherhood, the sisterhood, and all. You notice what he, you notice what he just said? What was that? I know it's probably coincidental. Oh, okay. okay. I'm go- I think I know where you're about to go, but you gotta go there. Every wrestler he named that he hung out with after the Flair and Hogan story was black. Everyone. <laughs> Boogeyman, Godfather, Ron Simmons, and Mark Henry. And then he went straight into talking about the Brotherhood. I know it probably is a coincidence, and that's even better, because Stone Cold, the Texas Rattlesnake, Southern Accent, Texas got Victoria, Texas, and yet he does has never done anything to make us feel like we should question anything about him. Now, granted, I know the stories with him and his ex-wife are messy. I, I don't know what the full stories are and if they're ever if we ever got certain truth on those stories. But when it comes to the things that we do have certainty on, like we do with Hulk Hogan's unfortunate story, that's just not who Steve Austin is. The inclusivity, especially in 2019, is so important. Mm-hmm. By the way, love, love Mark Henry's drinking a water while everyone's drinking. Yeah, water. I um, that. Mark does not drink. Um, by the way, why was Cena already gone for this? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he has some obligations, man. Listen, he's a movie star. He's Hollywood. We're lucky we got him. Um, to yeah, open I guess. Up the I show. guess we shouldn't. I guess we shouldn't complain. But this because I mean, The here, Rock wasn't there. Bret Hart wasn't there. Now, I, I don't know, you know, listen, uh, Brett, I wonder why Brett didn't go. Um, if, you know, listen, Brett doesn't, when we saw him at AEW last, he didn't look great in terms of his moving around. Um, and maybe he just wants to rest. Um, you know, it's hard for us to say because I love Brett so yeah, much. He was a champ but, going into that first Monday Night Raw in 93, so. Well, and, and, and he stuck around. I mean, he was there when Monday Night Raw was getting hot, you know. He wasn't there when it was at its number one most scorching time. That started right after he left. But yeah. he, he, he put that. He helped put that in motion, though, for sure. I I would argue. Oh, absolutely. Anyways, I know some people will think it's a reach to mention that Austin told that story, but to me, it just stood out, and it just. I was already in this mode when I saw how bad Hogan was and how weak the pop was. And then I saw Austin come out and saw how big the pop was and how great he was on mic. Um, and then after he's done, he, right now he grabbed the mic back again. Cause he saw it was and, time. That's how good he is. Like, 
Yeah, he lived, he left time on the clock. He knew that. And he somehow was good again. He cursed. They muted it. <laughs> it takes us right to the close. And that's it. And you end up leaving that show. And it just happened right now, Greg. You end up leaving that show being like, Hey, that was pretty good. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't very good. <laughs> no, I mean, the matches were fine, but the, the actual show was stupid. The use of legends was stupid. But that's how but good Stone end, Cold is, though. Like, that really right. is what it's all like. Stone Cold is so good that they gave him 10 minutes to just fill the time, say what you got to say, Steve, do what you got to do, and then everybody walked home happy. Like, everybody was happy. There was nobody mad about that show because it all, like, he pulled it in all so nicely. And what I loved about that story is, like, if you've ever been in that atmosphere of, like, a WrestleMania weekend or or even, like, a SummerSlam or, like, a big four-way, everybody's at the hotel hanging out, you know that's a true story. You know he definitely was riding down the elevator and then the door just opened up and Ron Simmons walks in and then they hug and then they go down together to the bar and then there's legends upon legends at the bar. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was true. It was great. And he's just it now, man. As, as, as I stole Greg's line on Twitter. Well, you said it in the group chat and I stole it. <laughs> you know, Brett, Brett may be your number one and my number one or Randy might be my number one, but Stone Cold is the number one. Yeah. Um, you know, he was, you know, listen, it's not, if you look at who created the business and who really took it to the next level and, Listen, no one, I'm not going to rewrite history on, on how a mage Hulk Hogan was in the 80s and how mage he was in NWO. Um, you know, we'll be watching his stuff for a long time. But when you look at the whole picture and everything that's happened and composes who someone is on and off screen, ultimately, Austin is the guy yep. to go with. And, um, and you know... And it'll be like that probably forever. This is going to be how it is. Yeah, because even like even as popular as Hogan was, right? He ushered in the '80s boom that people still talk about. Took wrestling to new heights. Stone Cold did something similar in the '90s, and the difference between Stone Cold and Hulk Hogan is that people never got tired of seeing Uncle Stone Cold. Like never, nope. ever, ever. Like in the late '80s. You know, early 90s, there was a period when Hogan would start to get some booze. Um, Hogan turned heel because he had to. In WCW, like, the red and yellow thing was not working and they, they needed to do something. And, 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 and it, and it didn't, and it didn't work for a couple years. Yeah. I mean, if you go 94, 95, Hogan was not good. Um, 93, Hogan in WWF wasn't good. Right. Um, when he came back to WrestleMania 9. So, Austin, the he whole went back thing. to red and yellow because the black and white got stale after a while too, and like that never happened to Stone Cold. And by the way, people, I got a tweet or two about The Rock. Love The Rock. He's incredibly important for a million reasons. He was never as over as Austin. You guys just have to give it up. He just wasn't. Um, he's absolutely mage and a bigger movie star. But the Austin pop is the Austin pop. Yeah, the it was Rock, close the Rock though, was, man. I, if you go no, back in to his WrestleMania best... 30, when the three of them are right there, and that's the closest thing we can get to a litmus test of like, well, right who's most now, popular. but well, right now he's so popular because he's such a mainstream star. But if you go back and watch when they were both there, 
Austin was more over always. Yeah. Always. I promise you'll never, you'll, and they, and they, and they, some of their best work, of course, was together. And Austin, and, but, but remember, you know, Rock had ups and downs. You know, there were periods when he was more over than other times. Um, he crossed over. His charisma was just absolutely undeniable. But when it comes to what they did just in wrestling, it's Austin. It's, it's, and, and I love them both. They're, I mean, they're, they're both, them together is some of my favorite stuff ever. I love Rocky. I think he's absolutely important. But there's two things. To play this role, you have to be around sometimes, and Austin's more around also. So the combination of it all, I think, we're going to be seeing it like this for a very long time. Now, when Rock is there, they will get the same billing. You know, he's Rock will always be right there. Rock, Rock's ahead of Hogan, too. Yeah. Um. So it's always going to be... I think Austin will always get the number one treatment because of how over he was and the fact that he's still so willing to show up here and there. Not always, but just enough. Um, but I thought, I thought the main takeaway from Raw Reunion, a flawed show that Austin showed why he's still the main event. Mm-hmm. Because you could go to a wrestling house show and the whole thing could be bad, but if that main event's amazing, you leave happy. And that's what happened with Raw Reunion. And, and SGG, we have, we have given people a nice long show. And I will say this too, man. I'm glad that the best part of that promo for me was when he said we're all family. So the next time I see him, I am getting a picture with my uncle because I don't have one yet, you know? So I'm making that happen. Yeah, by the way, you need that. I do. I think I only have... I'm trying to remember if I have any pictures with him besides me sitting there doing the podcast. That might be all I have. Which was a mage podcast, too. I don't even know if they could dig in the archives and get that, but that was a good episode. You on the yeah, Stone I was Cold on, podcast. Yeah, I was on Stone Cold. You can probably find it if you Google it. It'll pop up somewhere. But uh, SGG, do me a favor this weekend and uh, go ahead and enjoy yourself. And you stay mage, P. Take it easy, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. At this time, I would like to introduce in the corner to my left, the majesty. Sweet, sweet Peter Rosenberg. And then I went to makeup and like sat in front of the mirror a little bit and got myself together. Also, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I would like to introduce Bret Hart is the greatest professional wrestler in the history of the art form. Mage. Mage.